Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I'm your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here as always with my wife and co-host, Catherine Weil Coker. How you doing tonight, Catherine? I'm doing great. Happy Saturday night. We're doing it. Date night here at the household. It is. Kids were just ready for bed, which is sometimes a weekend thing, and we get to hang out and drink wine. We have a podcast. This is episode 97 of The Long Finish, episode 97 for us. We're going to catch you up on our life, which has been pretty crazy, as crazy as California weather has been the past month. But we're going to be drinking a cool wine tonight to bring in some information to International Women's Month. This is a great wine. It Well, period. It's a great wine. Uh, two, it is a fantastic wine for International Women's Month. I uh, was super excited to open this. Um, this is Isabel Perrode. She is the winemaker. The name of the winery is Cote de la Moliere or Maison Perrode. And this is Balance Taboul. It's a red wine, 2021. This is sparkling red wine from Beaujolais. 8% alcohol, a little bit sweet. It is, I mean, I'm going to be so surprised if we make this bottle last the whole podcast. <laughs> it's a slurper. It's a gulper. It's so tasty. I can't wait to tell you about her too. The other reason we want to bring this wine up is because we have some hopes as we start this time of year as the official start of spring. Fingers crossed because the weather in California has not shown really any signs of spring. But we wanted to introduce this wine and discuss it as maybe a wine that you're thinking about for brunch or a spring picnic. This is war- weather perfect up. for that. It would be a excellent daytime picnic lunch brunch just happiness outside wine daytime wine might be the title of the episode it, that, yeah 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 it. i love it and this is perfect for that so it is so perfect it's a daytime wine we're drinking it at night it's really drinkable whenever we you drink want. uh anything yep <laughs> do we have a bottle for this uh when we wake up in the morning wine? yeah <laughs> so we'll get to that in a moment Catherine. we've been doing interviews the past month so we really haven't a chance to catch up a lot going on. Weather's been crazy. Our kids are sick. We've been getting no sleep. The last three nights have been ridiculous. As bad as we can remember. Someone right? sleeping on me, on my stomach. Like, that. I, just b- brutal. I slept on the floor of our kids' room. Oh, between two kids. It's like, I don't know if, if there are any other parents out there who've seen that sleep episode of Bluey, but that's what has been our night the last three nights. And if you haven't and you don't have kids... It's worth a watch anyway. Bluey is such a cute show. I actually was wondering that. As we watched Bluey yesterday, do or could people that don't have kids be into Bluey? Because I saw an episode, I think it was called Rain from the new season. There's no dialogue. It's just, mm. it reminds me of like an early 20th, mid 20th century cartoon. Like I think people would still get a kick out of it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just biased by you know thinking our lives are interesting, <laughs> but... Well, if I didn't have kids, I probably wouldn't watch cartoons. Fair enough. But I don't, I don't know. Plenty of people watching animation these days. But it's like, it's a show that actually makes me laugh. I'm happy when they have it on because I think it's fun and funny. I'm sure it has its problems too, but it's an enjoyable show. So we're a bit delirious. It's hard to believe that we're here now not getting any sleep when a month ago, we talked about it briefly on last week's episode, you and I went back to Virginia for the first time ever without all three of our kids. Our oh my gosh. 
That our, was amazing. Our former domestic engineer, Brando, we brought him out of retirement to come back and watch our kids for three days. And he did it. The single parent life. He did three it. Three nights. On Sunday morning, he texted us, come tag me out. I'm done. But I think till then, he, it was all solid. I mean, look, they had the weekend of their lives. They're like making pizza and he's making pancakes with sprinkles in it. And, you know, he, it's just like Camp Brando. He's a like, chef. It's he's fun. a chef. He's and, amazing. And, you know, they just uh, getting a break from us is I don't know. It's probably nice. We got a break from them. They got a break from us. They're happy to see us. It's incredible for them. They get to, like you said, bake these amazing things. When I'm watching the kids and they're hungry, I like throw a granola bar down the steps. Like (laughs) it's a dog bone. (laughs) Are you hungry? Eat that. (laughs) It was fun to get away. It was our first time. We went back to my parents' 50th anniversary. Oh, that was so, so special. And we went to... A basketball game. Uh, I had not been back to my alma mater, University of Virginia. I haven't been back to Charlottesville in 13 years. Saw a game in the new stadium. Saw Catherine's alma mater, Notre Dame, play UVA. That was fun for us. It's embarrassing to admit, but I had not seen a Notre Dame basketball game before. It was exciting. It was so fun. I would do it again in a heartbeat. Yeah, So, and we try to not overstep our bounds with our domestic engineer and take too many days away because we'd like to do this trip, uh, a trip again. Yeah. In the future. Mm-hmm. So we cut it short. But as everyone knows, when you are traveling without kids on a plane, it feels like bliss. So like this five or six hours we were on the plane each way was great. It was part Flight of the vacation. Flight delayed, no big deal. Yeah. Turbulence, I'm cool. 100%. Here I am just in my own braid. I don't have to like divvy out snacks or make someone stop crying. Someone reclines in the seat in front of me and I, and I don't even care. What's the big deal? The, no the, one's throwing up give, on me. Give the guy what? a massage. It's you fine. Know, yeah, let yeah. me help you. <laughs> What else can I do for you, sir? Can I open your pretzels? So that was a lot of fun, just to clear the head. We don't talk about this enough, but you and I getting out of L.A. is a big deal for us. I feel like every time you and I get out of L.A., we feel like we enjoy our lives more. It feels important to get away, and you and I don't do that enough. So hopefully in May, you and I will have a a quick getaway, but something we need to keep in mind and do more of. Yeah. You know, you just get locked in your bubble and don't realize all the wonderful things around you until you have a moment to step away. In the meantime, we get away via beverage. Mm, Journey down the wine route. I am going to talk about that at some point, although not tonight. Book Club at Esther's. We will get the recap on that. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll let people know about that when you get to maybe your inspiration. But uh, a couple of notes, news and notes here on the podcast. Hope you check. uh, If you haven't had a chance to listen to our interviews the past few weeks, I hope you go back and listen to them. They are really fun. Matthew Kaner, the former owner of Barco Vell in Los Angeles. Augustine Wine Bar, now doing things in the NA space and a bunch of wine things still. He's just really, really fun to talk to. I hope you have a chance to listen to that. It's a great interview. Then we did delve into more of the NA, the popularity, the growing movement of the NA space with him in the, uh, the, the two episodes we had with him. And then last week we had Tron Carter from No Laying Up. Personal highlight for me because I like talking to people that I think are doing interesting things and, and who still have a passion for food and wine. And hopefully Catherine, you, me, and Tron will link up when he comes out here for the U.S. Open in June. Definitely. We're making new friends on the pod. That's, that's the goal. You know, we started as a, to become better friends to each other. Now we're just expanding our circle. Aww. Don't, don't. Aw, don't well, let's, let's, let's expand with this wine. Yeah, let's have a cheers. <laughs> let's have a toast and expand, <laughs> celebrate our friendship and our marriage with this wine. And let's cheers. talk about this wine, why it's great for the start of spring, daytime wines, why it's great for 
uh, International Women's Month. You, I, you were really excited to talk about this off air. I am. I love this wine. Okay, first of all, spring, daytime wine, this is it. You sometimes, uh, we drink a lot of white wine. Rosé is always a great choice. But sometimes you just want a red. And this is a perfect little pet nut. It's got that beer cap top. It's like fizzy. And when you first open it, it's really frothy. It's kind of like a, you know, definitely a cloudy color. You know, this is a natural wine and it's got funk on the nose right off the top. But at the same time, like a strawberry and raspberry candy mixed with that earthy funk, it's got a little sweetness. It's just so thirst quenching. It's 8% alcohol. So this is going to be just the go-to with any picnic. I would be so happy to pick this up on a spring day, head to the park, head to the beach, go on a hike. This is the wine. It's got like a little bit of a natural soda element to it. Definitely. You know, like, a, like an Izzy with a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I almost logo. think that too because there's like some kind of like warming spice element to it. It's not in wood at all and it's not oaky it's not spicy but i don't know what that is maybe like a vanilla cola thing or maybe it's just the fuzzy raspberry it's tasty can you again remind everyone of the specific wine that we're drinking tonight and then we'll get into the winemaker let me tell you so this is isabel perode vigneron and uh, her wine company with her husband bruno is cote de la moliere this is the balance taboo 2021 it's a red wine 100% 100% Gamay Pet Nat, so that's a naturally sparkling wine from Beaujolais. You're really, now, you're really flexing on your accents tonight here. Hey, you know what? I'm trying for <laughs> once. I think just, you, uh, you know what? I will tell you why later. No. No, I want to tell Don't you. Don't let the listeners in on this. Oh, okay. Well, I have a secret. Ooh. <laughs> it's been helping me. Okay, great. Anyway, Isabel Perrault in Beaujolais. So I first came to her wines and she and her husband make them together, the Perrault wines, because I was drinking their Beaujolais and they're imported by Nomadic Wine in LA and they're wonderful. And they have about, Isabel and Bruno have about eight and a half hectares throughout Beaujolais. So they have some Morgon, some Moulin Avant, some Fleury, and a little bit of Chardonnay in Puy Fuisse. So Beaujolais is the southernmost part of Burgundy. Some consider it Burgundy, some don't, but north of the Rhone, south of Burgundy, right in there. Primary grape is Gamay. This is Gamay. I've never had a sparkling gamay. This was totally new to me. So fun. You and I love sparkling red wines. We've done several on this podcast. Cabernet Franc, Lambrusco. I think maybe another one as well. But we'll drink them all. Wherever they are, we'll find them. So they make straight gamay. They make Chardonnay. And they just started making this wonderful gamay pet nut. Now, Bruno and Isabel run the estate today, but they are not exactly newcomers. The Perrault family, Bruno is the sixth generation grower. So they've been in Beaujolais a long, long time, but they were selling off to other folks and they founded their, he founded the estate in 1987 and was joined by Isabel in 1989. And they grew the estate, so acquired a lot more vineyards and in the late 90s, Bruno was getting really sick. They figured out it was from chemicals that they were using in the vineyard. So they stopped totally altogether and slowly converted to organics. They got organic certification in 2002 and then worked towards biodynamic certification, which they got in 2018. There's no additives 
no fining, no filtering, native yeast only, and no sulfur. These are totally natural wines and they're delicious. They're clean. They're really well made. They're just, they're yummy wines made the right way. So Isabel Perraud, which I found out later when I was introduced to this bottle, is really a voice for women and speaking out against sexism and sexual assault and sexual discrimination within the wine industry. I didn't know that before. I knew the Perot labels, but when our distributor brought this bottle, I noticed this really fun label. So the label is of a woman naked carrying a man over her shoulder and she's got a glass of wine. And I said to the distributor, oh my gosh, this is such a cute label. And the name is Balance Taboo. What's the deal with the label? She's like, well, this label is in response to some overly sexualized labels that have come out from other winemakers. And Balance Taboo cover your ears, kids, means denounce your balls. So it is for the ladies and it is speaking out against sexism and sexual violence. And a portion of the proceeds of this wine actually go to support women who have been victims of sexual violence. Now, Isabel Perrault also... I just want to say quickly that we will put a picture of the label so you can see it more closely on on our Instagram at the long finish. So Isabel Perot also has, she's become a spokesperson for women who are victims. And she has this Instagram account that she started a while ago called Peyton Pinard that condemns sexual harassment and sexism in wine or sexual violence. And people can post anonymous stories there and share them and they can get free legal advice from Isabel's friend for anyone who contacts the account, which I think is pretty cool to have a space that's just open for that and for people talking about that. We're talking about International Women's Month. We've been talking about women in wine and in the wine industry at Esther's. Last Sunday, I did the description of all the wines that we were featuring in the Sunday Tasting, which was featuring a bunch of different women in wine. And there are a lot of women winemakers. There are a lot of women in wine now. And from so many articles that I was reading about, there have been women in wine a long time, not as many as today, but they just have been in the background. They have just not been recognized. And today, more and more are in the forefront. I mean, part of that is because women weren't taken seriously. Part of it is because traditionally, you know, it's harder for women to get a loan at a bank. I mean, even here in America, but certainly in France. And they just weren't taken as seriously. A lot of women farmers were the partner to their husband. They weren't the one. But actually, in France today, 30% of winemakers are women, which is the highest percentage of any agricultural field, with the exception it's on par with sheep herding, sheep farmers. So those two have the most women. Uh, That's a wow. Sheep herding. I didn't know that either. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Well, part of the reason that women weren't included, you know, and were so much pushed to the back in in French culture is because historically they weren't allowed to prune and they weren't allowed in the cellars based on some crazy belief that wine would turn sour if they were menstruating. This is so crazy. But that was this old, really antiquated 
thought. And until the 1950s, it was rare that a woman was a farmer. I mean, really, only in the second half of the 20th century did women start to do that. Not until 1999, with something called the conjoint collaboratrice, were farmers' spouses given the right to pensions and social protection. So they just didn't even have any rights. This is all, you know, slowly changing. But the idea that women don't know anything about wine, whether or not you say it out loud, sometimes you'll go to an event and someone will start talking to you about wine, me about wine, a woman about wine, in a different way than they're talking to the man about wine. Either talking down to her or just this perception that it's not all the same. Now that is changing a lot, but that's been going on. And because of that fact, and because of this whole like culture around wine fairs and some of the sexism that exists, there's actually this wine fair just for women that started about five years ago. And of course, Isabel Perraud is part of this group of women. It's natural wine. Actually, it just happened a couple weeks ago, March 4th and 5th. And it was started by Marie Carogette. There's a great article about it and about her and why she founded that on Not Drinking Poison, which is a great wine blog, a natural wine blog. But if you want to learn more, that's a great way to kind of understand why these women are coming together to make a, you know, to celebrate women and make a women only wine fair. So that's a lot. That's a lot. But this is a very cool winemaker and the wine is delightful. Well, I'm changing the title now to Women in Wine or because that seems to be the notes that you that you just dropped, I think are really important, really interesting. We talked about this in another interview we did maybe a year or two ago with Jordan Salcedo, where I asked you both about your feelings about being women in the wine industry. And I'm a bit, I I don't see the full scope because so many of the the industry leaders in Los Angeles are women in the sommelier and at least restaurant space or in retail space, frankly. So I didn't, I don't really quite see that, but but if you, if I take it the 30,000 foot view, you can see that it's been an industry dominated by men. I just don't happen to, I'm married to you and I know a lot of women in the industry are amazing at their jobs, but it's interesting to hear some of the struggles that women have had to, to go through to survive and thrive in this business. I think there is certainly among some, the perception that women know less about wine and That happened to me as a young sommelier, and I know it happened to many of my friends, but I think it's happened to women of all ages for a long time, just this assumption that it's a man's world. And I'm glad that things are progressive in Los Angeles and other cities, and I'm glad that many restaurants are progressive and hiring different people, and people of all ages who come as customers get to see a different person carrying around that wine list. And you certainly do your part with the restaurants in which you're associated. Absolutely. We try our best. The other issue, the other thing, and this is what I was reading about when I was reading about this this wine fair, is that the culture around wine <laughs> involves alcohol, you know? So at a certain point, some people aren't always on their best behavior. You know, there are jokes in closed rooms and sometimes in a big environment, you invite alcohol, those get brought out. And I think, you know, people have to acknowledge that that's part of the wine world. That's always going to be an issue we have to contend with. That's very interesting. Can you remind the the listeners of the newsletter slash 
Yes. So the newsletter I was talking about that has the great description of the wine fair and is a great newsletter in general about natural wine is called Not Drinking Poison. You can also look it up on Instagram at Not Drinking Poison. And the writer who just came out with a book, which is The World of Natural Wine, maybe it came out last year, I guess, is Aaron Oskoff was in LA for a while, a long time. So he does a wonderful job of explaining this. And I also got some information from a British magazine called Glug, which is super fun. I, I don't have a copy of it yet. I'm waiting on it, but it has really progressive, thoughtful articles about wine, great pictures, great colors. And this magazine has such fun energy behind it and also really pertinent articles. And this one I read was called The Face of Change, Fighting Sexism in French Wine by Ginger Rose Clark. And that was written a year ago, February 22, but had fabulous information in it where I got so much of what I was talking about tonight. So definitely check that out too. And thank you, Ginger Rose Clark, for doing all that research. We'll put all this information in the show notes for the show. I mean, I've learned a lot in this discussion with you on our date tonight. It's a heavy date. Hey, it's Saturday the, night, but we're learning. We're having fun. Also, the fun part of it is that this wine is fun and delicious and not serious. And the label is such a cheeky, delightful, you know, yeah, it's, re- a, retort to all this heaviness. Yeah, a lot of know? layers having... Uh, yeah. Discourse in this. It's not like this person is just like making a joke and walking away. She's a fun label. She's a fun joke. And she's taking it super seriously. I love it. Can we talk about food pairings? Yeah. I was thinking of just Esther's Italian sandwich. This is layered Italian salami sandwich. It'd be great with any cheese and charcuterie board that you wanted to bring along. Because of the sweetness, you actually wanted to say, I want to touch on this. You mentioned on this wine. And a lot of people are afraid of sweetness in their wines. How can you use this wine as a way to maybe to coax people to take a shot with wine to have some sweetness? I think the sweetness, I understand, but I also think you're just not eating the right food with it. So some sweet wine goes great with something that might be a little sweet, but it also grows great with something that's really spicy or something that's really heavy or something that's salty. And when it's really warm out, a spring afternoon, or you're in the sun, you don't want a crazy dry wine. You want something with like a little bit of sweetness because that's thirst quenching. So that's why like the time and place of the wine is also so important. We're talking about this as a daytime wine, as an afternoon wine to have with a salty cheese. I would pick up even in and out with fries that sounds amazing. and this would be so good. You know, just like salty, fatty lunch on the hood of your car with this, <laughs> like that would be so tasty. It's of course going to be great with something crazy, rich and fancy like foie gras too, you know. But if you want to go on a picnic and do that. Um, I'd like to see you uh, with your in and out your double-double <laughs> animal style on your Toyota Sienna hood just popping this bottle. Go feminism. <laughs> uh, I just want to mention that we do have another episode, episode 73, which is Don't Be Scared of a Sweet Wine, where we talk a little bit about these things. And we're trying to encourage people to step out of your comfort zone. We're in, and a lot of these things are just things that you hear about a lot of times. You just hear you're not supposed to have a sweet wine or things are going to feel cloying or whatever. But if you listen to Catherine, you'll find ways to dip a toe into the sweet wine world and 
prepare it well. I will say one very clear example is our wedding. We knew it was going to be a warm it was September 1st. It was going to be a warm afternoon. People are coming to the location at three o'clock and we want to greet them with a glass of wine, not champagne. We chose not to do that. And I wanted to do a Prosecco that wasn't bone dry, that just had enough fruit because when it's hot out and you just get somewhere, you want something refreshing with fruit and a little bit of sweetness. And it was perfect. And I guarantee you not one person said, why isn't this dry? You know, they were like, ah. That's what it's meant for, and that's what this wine is, too. If Jasper, our local artist, is listening to this, can you draw maybe Catherine as, like, the after picture of Sandra D in Greece <laughs> with her, like, leather jacket and the hair blown out, and she's on the Toyota Sienna hood with the wine and the double-double in and out? <laughs> but I am not an animal style, though. I'm so sorry. sorry. Okay, whatever. I like the bun. Okay. Just, well, no, that's, that is protein style. Oh, Animal Style has the onions kind of cooked into them. We'll, we'll oh, talk about the secret oh. menu um, offline. In any case, it's a burger with fries. But I, love, I love the image and of you going full post, you know, the post picture of, of Sandra <laughs> D. Sandy? Catherine, where can people find this one? Uh, I would say natural wine bars, natural wine shops, esters. Yeah. Any way to uh, help our listeners ask the right questions at these wine shops about finding a sweet wine? Well, I would say, do you have a wine that's not a dessert wine, but has a little bit of residual sugar, has some sweetness to it? There are Rieslings, certainly. There are other reds. There are other whites. There are wines that have that that aren't dessert wines that have, you know, 30 to 50 grams of sugar. That's for dessert. This just has enough to be pleasant. And remember, you know, when you're looking at sparkling wine, not this because it's a pet nut, but some pet nuts will have sweetness too, that you're not working looking for a wine that says extra brute or brute. Those are dry. But dry and extra dry are going to have some sweetness. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but that's how it goes. The other thing to remember about this wine is we talk about it a lot, 8% alcohol. We love low alcohol oh wines. Gosh. Which is, that's afternoon also. Again, daytime wine, important wine, wine that is taking things seriously, but having fun with it. But having fun too. I love it. It's all, yes. It's a great wine. I hope you go to Esther's or, or wherever you get your wines. Ask about this wine. We'll show a picture of the label on the Long Finish Instagram account. Go and get it. And now we come to the last portion of the evening, which is what has been inspiring us this week. I'm going to go first. Talked briefly about going back to Charlottesville and seeing a basketball game for the first time at the new stadium. But I went and, and watched a high school basketball game for the first time, and I want to say almost 25 years. That's right. I took my six-year-old to see the Culver City High School boys basketball team. They were in the state basketball tournament. They made it to the semifinals. They they recently lost. I think we saw a Sweet 16 game that they hosted, and it was so much fun to be back in a high school gym. Conjured up a few emotions. The gym was not nearly the size that my high school gym was, and it was packed. It was fun to be in there. It was fun to see the community kind of rally around this team. The game went to overtime. They ultimately won. People were hyped up. It's crazy to see how athletic kids have become in the last 25 years. I was coaching, as people know, I was coaching my six-year-old's basketball team. I want him to see games live where people are doing the things I'm trying to teach them, showing them how they move and rebound and shoot. And It's a weird inspiration. It was just fun to be back on a high school campus, fun to watch a game, 
fun to watch a game for a f- relatively few dollars, and, and I thought it was really high high quality basketball. So fun fun thing. I know a lot of people in the this is a big city, a big town, so people don't really gravitate as much to these things like you would go to where I grew up in Virginia where people really show up for these sporting events but it was fun to show my son how fun this time period is and and to see the community kind of get involved so a lot of fun for me Catherine what do you got well as some of you may know Esther's now has a book club Esther's book club that's including books about wine and in our next episode I will give a recap of the Esther's book club first meeting but for now to just talk about the book Adventures on the Wine Route by Kermit Lynch this is the newest 25 year edition ah what a joy to read this book I read it probably mm, 11 years ago Uh, more than that when I was you know still new in the business and I loved it then and I really love it more now. This is the story of Kermit going through. He's a famous importer. I'm sure you have wines in your cellar or on your shelf or in the restaurant you go to that he's imported. He started out with a shop in Berkeley, California and then started importing wine and he wrote this book published in 1988 first, first published in 1988 about his adventures on the wine route, all different regions of France and the characters that he meets along the way, the different winemakers, the crazy stories, the different landscapes, the little old towns, the culture, the the life and how the French see wine. And it's a delightful book, making me fall in love with wine all over again. A true pleasure to read. Anyone who hasn't read this book get your hands on a copy. It will no, reignite your your passion for French wine and join Esther's book club too. Did you choose this book to be the first book of the book club because it's a seminal book? It is. I'm not interested in books for the book club that are like, you know, researchy books, you know, I don't know, factoid books about it's wine. Drier. Research books, books that you have to read and study like because you're in this business. I have a lot of those and I love a lot of those too. But I was looking for a book that just was pleasurable about people and the adventure. It is the adventures on the wine route. That's what it is. And the the personalities behind the wines and their impressions of what is special about their wine or their region and all of that. And, And the cuisine, all of that matters so much. And not just, you know, how much aging is required for Brunello, which is important to know, too. But I don't need to do that for a book club. And I know that you're excited because a lot of people have been interested in this book club. There's a lot of people signing up, a lot of people looking to partake. So I'm excited to hear about the recap when that happens, too. All right, that's it for episode 97. Episode 97 of The Long Finish is in the books. Thank you to everyone for continuing to listen to the show. If you have a chance to rate, review, and subscribe to the show, it would mean a lot to us. Catherine, where can they find you and The Long Finish on social media? You can find me at Catherine Wild Coker and The Long Finish at The Long Finish, both on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tug Coker. Creeping up to 100 episodes. We got a couple interviews taking place very soon. I hope to have those out in April. So stay tuned for that. Got more episodes coming up. Can't wait to get those out to you. Until then, have a great week. Be happy, be healthy, and happy drinking.
Tchau.